0: Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby, a really exciting podcast we have uh, for all of you today. I kind of hinted at it in last week's podcast, but today is going to be uh, the start of a new era uh, on this podcast, and that is because I am uh partnering with uh Bubba from the bench with bubba podcast he 's been on the podcast a couple times If you really want to um uh, if you 're a masochist if you're really into pain, you can go back to uh some of the pre draft podcasts we did, and we did like a two and a half hour ninety outfielder analysis uh, but uh i've had uh Bubba on the show he 's had me on the show, and we really uh, just, uh, I think, compliment each other well and really enjoy um, kind of chatting baseball. We're both very passionate about baseball, love the game, and so want to share that with you. So this is episode one of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Uh, it is going to be a weekly podcast that we put out uh, pretty much every Monday. The, the day may change just given... Uh, other responsibilities but we're going to put it out on a weekly basis and essentially what it'll be is coming uh, covering some of the major news over the last week over the last few days leading up to the podcast and then taking a look at uh, players who are doing really well or players who are doing poorly and seeing whether it looks like something that's supported by the skills and what we might expect from them moving forward we'll also take a look at fab uh, through tGfbi um, and cover some of the players there just um, hope you really enjoy it. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good show and um, really enjoyed putting it together with Bubba. Um, love to hear what you all think about it. Um, you can tweet at me, you know where to reach me, at BatFlipCrazy. And then Bubba, uh, you should definitely be following him if you aren't already. Um, he's at BDentrek, D-E-N-T-R-E-K on Twitter. Uh, he puts together a, a great show as well, Benched with Bubba. Neither, uh, so for for the, for the this podcast, I'm going to continue to do podcasts. What I'm hoping uh, is to do a longer podcast with Bubba uh, for Bubba and the Bat Flip. And then this will open me up to be able to do, hopefully, uh, a couple smaller podcasts throughout the week. More kind of an overview of some of the players that I'm noticing um, who are doing really well or just um, some... Uh, Uh, you know, the usual stuff that you get from me, maybe in a little bit of a more abbreviated fashion um, as I'm doing the more research myself. And then uh, Bubba's podcast, Bench with Bubba, will continue to have guests and be the show. And he's just doing a podcast like every single day. So uh, plenty of opportunities to reach him as well. But just really, really excited um, about this and uh, putting this together. Um, So hope you all enjoy it as well. Uh, as usual, um, if you like this podcast or the previous podcasts, please do go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating uh, and a review. Um, as always, um, just really, really appreciative to all of you who have gone out there and given uh, a rating and review. Uh, while we are a small podcast and we may not have the reach of other podcasts, my God, the listeners are, are pretty badass because... We uh, just have a ton of uh, ratings and reviews for the size of the podcast that we have. So thank you so much for uh, doing that. If you already have, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please do like, retweet, help share the word, especially now that we got, um, you know, uh, the, the ba- uh, Bubba and the Batflip uh, podcast here. Um, and you can reach that here on my feed and then also uh, on Bubba's feed. So shouldn't have trouble finding that. Um, in today's episode, I think um, we're going over some uh, pretty exciting guys. We got you know the news about Brandon Woodruff, Andrew Heaney, Kevin Kiermeyer, some debuts, Connor Menez, Zach Green, Luis Uri- Urias, um, some of the other Padres youngsters, Nate Eovaldi, uh, Nico Goodrum, uh, Manny Margot, Oscar Mercado, a number of other hitters, as well as pitchers, including Asher Wojakowski um, who, uh, who, who I love a little bit, probably more than I should. And then Jose Urquidy, who's a guy that I really like, um, after diving into the numbers, but, um, that is, uh, enough about that. Let us hop right into the first episode of Bubba and the Batflip. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Uh, batflipcrazy.com is the blog and you're listening to the podcast. So you don't need to know about that. All right. First episode, Bubba and the Batflip. Let me know what you think. Let's get this party started.
1: And welcome, everybody, to the first edition, I guess is the way I'll say it, of the Bubba and the Backflip Simulcast podcast. It'll be a Monday edition, weekly or roughly weekly on a Monday based on our schedules. But you can find me on Twitter at BDN Trick. And obviously by the name, you can tell it's Backflip Crazy. You can find me on Twitter at Backflip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man?
0: We're doing great, Bubba. I'm uh, I'm really excited. I've I've really enjoyed being on a number of podcasts with you over the last couple of years, and uh, we've met. We play in, in the Barf League, and uh, it seems like the natural progression is to uh, to rock a, a, a podcast together.
1: Yep, I'm pumped about it. Like like you said, we we've gotten to know each other. We uh, enjoyed chatting with each other about it. Um, people can find the weekly podcast on Bench with Bubba feed or the Batflip crazy feed, whichever you prefer. Uh, It'll be there on both of them. So it'll be a lot of fun getting to uh, chat it up pretty much every week based on our schedules and uh, continue to to grow this fun thing we call fantasy baseball together.
0: Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: All right. Well, let's get crack-a-lacking on this first one. We've got some recent news to talk about. Some of it uh, is pretty Pretty sad, uh, or sad for your teams if you have them. Brandon Woodruff, one of the bright spots in the Brewers' rotation, has been really, really good this year. Left yes- yesterday, to start with an oblique injury, and early speculations they're thinking six weeks, which takes you into September. For me, I'd pretty much be dropping him right now, unless you're in a dynasty league. What's your takes on this Win- uh, Woodruff injury?
0: Yeah, I mean, before hearing the the timeline, it was it was a hold just because. You know, it's it's tough to find find a replacement in today's game for a guy like Woodruff who's really emerged this year. Um, he was having a great season twenty two point three percent K minus walk rate, really uh, strong skills above league average. You know, across the board in strikeout skills and in control metrics as well. Uh, really disappointing, but I agree with you, Bubba. I think at this point, with six weeks, that leaves four weeks if he's on schedule. We know how these things go may take him a little while to get going, uh, maybe a little off schedule. And so with that being said, I think it's okay to drop him across the board this year, unless, of course, you're in a dynasty or keeper league.
1: Yep. Yep, it stinks, but that's where we are in the season. You can't really be holding on to dead weight anymore. you got to kind of move on and keep replenishing that roster. Uh, So sadly, most likely a drop with Brandon Woodruff. Uh, The Giants – surprisingly brought up some talent from the minor leagues over the weekend and they actually performed pretty well. A couple of them we just wanted to hit on real quick because when we talk about fab later on, they were not fab viable in NFBC type leagues because they made their debut on a Sunday. So this might become relevant next weekend, depending on how the rest of the week goes. Heck, they might be in the minors before next Sunday happens. So we'll just wait and see, but uh, for, we'll start with Connor Menez, a uh, left-handed pitcher for the Giants. He was drafted, I believe in like 2015, 16, um, yeah, 2016 draft. I remember seeing him in San Jose a couple of years ago. Big, lengthy lefty, but he really picked up some strikeout stuff later this year or earlier this year. Pitched well yesterday. And then there's um, Zach Green, third baseman, had a big RBI double, Sacramento kid. Uh, do you have any takeaways from from what you saw? Because, you know, sl- slim Pickens on the waiver
0: wire these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch Menezes' start, but just diving in a little bit, um, 12 out of 83 of his pitches went uh, for swinging strikes that's a 14.4 percent mark you know a little over 10 percent is league average for starters uh his csw was at 27.7 percent 23 out of 83 so not quite as good league average is you know middle mid uh 28 percent or so like 28.5 28.6 percent so i mean a solid outing overall he obviously was um Doing really well earlier this year in AA. He had a 272 ERA, 0.96 whip with 70 strikeouts in about 60 innings. Um, struggled when he made the jump up to AAA though. A 382 ERA, a 142 whip. Did keep that K percentage up 34.6%, but got hit pretty hard. 368 Babbitt. Um, you know, so whether or not that BABIP, you know, obviously we don't know whether that's just something where he was. Uh, he was getting bad luck or not, but that is AAA with the and they're using the major league ball, uh, so that doesn't necessarily bode well. So my interest is a little bit um, uh, tepid. I'm 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 definitely intrigued in deeper leagues. I uh, want to see how he does. Like you mentioned in NFBC, we may get another chance to see how he does uh, before having to put our bids in. Um, but you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on him right now. I think there's some possibility, but. I worry a little bit. Uh, I worry a little bit that you know he doesn't. He doesn't ha- quite have that pedigree that makes me super excited. How how are you feeling? I mean, did you were you able to watch the start?
1: I watched a couple innings. Uh, I know he gave up two home runs early, but then after that, looked great. He struck out Pete Alonso. He made Pete Alonso snap his bat over his knee, so that made me feel ah, good about life. I, but I saw uh, that. <laughs> yeah, that part was good. It, it the thing that that he kind of reminded me of. and I know they're two different pitchers, but. A Giants pitcher, Andrew Suarez, who last year had some fantasy relevance, I would say with Menez, he'd be like, okay, you're going to pick him up to stream him at home. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much what it's going to be. I don't know if I trust him in a a live ballpark yet because if he's missing, like you said, it could get ugly. But say, you know, we get get the Padres at home or something, there could be some valuability to that.
0: Definitely. Yeah, and then one thing I'll say just looking at his pitch mix, I mean, he did on fifty-two four-seam fastballs. He did have a nine-point-six percent uh, swinging strike rate, which is uh, which is pretty solid. And then the changeup looks like his best pitch so far. So we'll see on Zach Green. The one thing that I found interesting on him, um, you know, he hit twenty-three home runs, obviously at AAA. They're using the major league ball. Um, the PCL is pretty uh, <laughs> hitter-friendly uh, this year, um, but. You know, he did have a 13.3% walk percentage, which is good for plate discipline. So if you're in an OBP league, I think he has a little bit more value. But he was striking out about 33% of the time in AAA. If you factor in a little bit of a bump in terms of, you know, your major league equivalent, you're looking at a, a K rate that's probably going to be north of 35%. Um, so not sure that, that that's going to be good enough at the big league level. But he was second in average fly ball distance. Um, according to Minor Graphs, which is a great uh, great little product on Prospect Live that SMATA has put together. Um, he was right behind Kevin Crohn. So that gives you the sense of the power uh, potential that he does have.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I was shocked because the Giants traded for green uh, earlier this year as this his first year in the organization. So I didn't know a bunch about him when they brought him up. But, yeah, he played great in the minors this year. He's had decent minor numbers overall. The power really jumped on, like you said, playing with the major league ball in AAA this year does help a lot. Um, I guess the thing that gets my attention by making, you know, the like DFA'd uh, Derek Holland and, and one other position player, what this tells me is either A, they want to keep these guys in the 40-man to trade them, or they're going to trade someone else and give these guys a shot. So it'll be interesting to see maybe this time next week, because the trade deadline is the 31st. So either next week or the week after, we'll have some fun trades to talk about. But uh, Oh, man. It kind of surprised me that uh, they made these moves uh, because Holland actually was decent out of the bullpen, but uh, who knows? But all right, let's go to Anaheim. Los Angeles, Anaheim. We've heard this one before. We've heard it a lot, Toby. Andrew Heaney back to the IL. This time it's with a shoulder inflammation, which to me doesn't sound great, but they, they say no structural damage. No need to be concerned. I'm always concerned when it comes to anything with Heaney and a shoulder inflammation, (laughs) Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because for me, it's just, you know, we move on and try it again next year with him.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think we're moving on. I think it's kind of the same story that we've seen before. The skills are, are terrific. I mean, you see them and you think, man, this guy has got to be good at some point in time. But it's a little bit of the Chris Archer syndrome, right, where everything looks really good. The strikeout rate, the K minus walk rate, swinging strike rate, everything looks great, but he just gives up too good of quality of contact. 1.76 home runs per nine this year, uh, the walk percentage up a little bit too. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think we're just moving on from Heaney, um, and, and it, it's really unfortunate. I mean, it, things look, it looked like he had figured it out a little bit towards the end of last year. Uh, I had high hopes for him during the offseason, but once again, we are disappointed.
1: Yeah, and I, I know you weren't the only one. His name was in a lot of you know starting pitcher previews and different uh, well-respected people because the stuff we've seen with Heaney when healthy has been great and it's just been staying healthy is the tough part. So maybe next year, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but we'll move on to another player that just the same theory. If he could just stay healthy, we'd really get to look forward to it. But for those listening with kids that play little league, tell them do not slide into first base. This is very simple. That's like rule number like three or four, one of the top ones. That's all I know. Do not slide into first base. Kevin Kiermaier hurt again. Um, injury in his hand, looks like ligament damage, possibly. Like, it's, it's, there's no set timetable yet, but it's not good. Bottom line, I heard anywhere from four to six weeks, maybe more. Um, he was having a really good year, Toby. Um, yeah, this is a shame.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has been a, um, a surprise for sure. Uh, I know that I got him in, uh, in TGFBI this year and I wasn't like that excited, you know, late steals. He was going in an ADP of 300, but, um, uh, you know, it's just, uh, he's been a surprise. Like he's just been able to stay healthy, 17 stolen bases, um, 10 home runs from where you were drafting him. You've gotten a ton of value. I think a lot of that has come from an increase of 7% in his contact rate. Um, You know, so he's putting the ball in play a lot more, um, which is really important. I agree. It's definitely a bummer of, of, of news. I did see earlier today. I don't know if you have a more recent report, but I did, See earlier today that they had gotten some decent news, and that it looks like he might just be out a couple weeks instead of being out oh, um, longer. And so, if that's the case, I mean, I think you're holding on to him. Stolen bases are that valuable just to see how he's doing. If he has a setback or something like that, anytime you get to like only, you know, three, four weeks left in the season before a guy might come back, I think you need to look at cutting him. But for the time being, I think uh, I would hold on to him in deeper leagues, uh, in 15 team leagues for sure. Uh, Avisel Garcia, I think, um, and uh, uh Austin Meadows are probably gonna get a, a little bit more playing time, I think, in the outfield, uh, now that he's injured. But hold on to Kiermeyer because those stolen bases don't really grow on trees.
1: Yep, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway there. And yeah, I'm seeing something from later yesterday. Just a sprained thumb, no surgery needed, hopefully shorter timetable. So good call there. Yeah, he the fact he the way he's stealing bags and everything, that's a tough, tough blow 'cause they're very hard to come by this year, as you said. So that's big boy stuff there. The San Diego Padres, I was listening to something today. They called up three prospects over the weekend. I was, I was very excited about Luis Urias, uh, Adrian Morhone, and uh, Michelle Baez is what I was told it was pronounced. I could be totally wrong, but when I was listening to the show, they kept saying it over and over again. So we're going to go with that for now. I always thought it was Michael Baez, but I could be wrong. Um, it's crazy because now the the Padres have called up 13 – of their top thirty or forty prospects this season. That uh that seems all that seems wrong to me, but that's what they said. And if that's true, that's that's crazy. But um, what did you take away from this? Because Morion, he's a stud, came up from double A. That one shocked me the most. And he opened up over the weekend for uh Quantrell. Urias is crushing it in AAA. and then Baez another solid arm. So three more pieces to the San Diego puzzle.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, just kudos, I think, to the Padres as an organization. You know, they've been one of, if not probably, the most aggressive um, teams when it comes to bringing their prospects up. And I think we've seen with Tatis Jr. I mean, imagine if if um, if Tatis wasn't up this year, how much worse off uh, they'd be. I mean, obviously, it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, but still, I mean, the amount of excitement that he's uh, in. Inst- injected into the lineup. And and I mean, the thing that I think is interesting too, is you look at a guy like Vlad Jr. You know, who's a super project prospect and he's going to be great. I mean, he's going to have a terrific career, but it's not, I mean, we saw it with Mike Trout too, right? Struggling when you first come up and it would have been really nice if Vlad Jr. would have struggled maybe at the end of last year and been able to come in, you know, firing all cylinders, you know, this year. Um, so with Tatis Jr., you know, getting a chance, you know, he was a little slow at the beginning, but he's been hot ever since. And I think, Uh, the Padres are seeing the benefits of getting those guys up early Uh, for the first, for the two pitchers. um, I know with, uh, uh, um, with, with Morion, I think it is um, he um, you know, he was the opener. And so I don't, I don't really think there's much fantasy relevant there. He has struggled with his control throughout his minor league career, you know, his lowest walks per nine um, in a recent season is, is over, is over, uh, 3.45. So, um, not necessarily a guy that I'm, I'm interested, uh, in right now. Um, uh, Baez, I think, you know, he's had a great season so far this year. Um, so he could be an interesting piece, uh, coming out of the bullpen, but Urias is obviously the guy that folks are really interested in. I think in most 15 team leagues, he was already gone. Even in a lot of 12 team leagues, he was, he was already gone. I'm really interested to see what he's seen. Obviously, you know his swing or his power at least has has surged since he went down to triple a but remember it's the major league ball and el paso from what i understand mm-hmm. is really a launching pad so you really have a combination of kind of just factors pushing up that power what i'm really interested to see is that his five ball percentage went up to 37 percent in the minors this year i think that's up like eight percent from last year but throughout his major league career he's really struggled uh, to get the ball in the air. He's shown really good uh, plate discipline and contact skills uh, in the majors, but um, that ground ball percentage is just way too high. So I'm interested to see whether major league pitchers continue to overpower him. Um, I think the long term, um, long term, I think he's he's going to be a really good player. I just think we may see him get um, you know a little dominated uh, now. But you never, you never know. What about you, Bubba? How are you, how are you feeling about those three?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on, on like Morion and, and Baez. I was just shocked they were up so soon. So again, I don't know what the Padres are really doing here. If it's more a matter of, Hey, we've got a ton of young arms. We don't want to shut them down. We want to spread them out. Cause like you said, Morion opened for Quantrill two young up and coming, like future frontline starters possibly in the rotation. So maybe they just, you know, split time and finish out their innings through the year, buy as a bullpen piece. So both of those are probably not real um, you know free agent fab acquisitions. Quantro could be. I could see him being good because I think he's farther along and could be interesting, kind of like a Ryan Yarborough type, a Jalen Beeks type, minus what Beeks did tonight. That was a <laughs> little rough. But um, something along those lines where he could maybe sneak in some wins for you. Urias is the one that's interesting to me because what you said was spot on about – Coming up here and trying not to be overmatched, like because you look at what he did last year, the hype train was on him again when he got called up, but he didn't do much of anything. And got sent back down at some points last year for the Padres. Sure, he's developed power this year that we did not think he had, and the live ball could help. So hey, and nothing could be worse than Ian Kinsler at second base. So you might as well give him a shot. But um, the love and affection of running after him to get him kind of surprised me a bit. And like you said, in 15-team leagues, I was looking at our TG FBI sheet by SMATA. No one picked him up because I know he wasn't available in my league. I'm pretty sure he wasn't available in your league. I don't think he's available in anybody's league. So uh, he was long gone there. He'd be a, a smaller league acquisition probably. But I, it's more fun to me to watch, like, one of the first things you said. Kudos to the Padres. Like, I love it. We have so much great youth in baseball right now. And the fact that they aren't scared to call these guys up, like you said, Tati starting the year. We already talk, mentioned Pete Alonso earlier. He started the year. Some of these teams are getting it, and it's great to see because Vlad should have been up last year. These kids, you know, Mike Trout struggled at the beginning. That's it's a thing that's been used to uh, for the examples many times, but these kids aren't going to pick it up right away, not many of them at least. And they're going to need to struggle. So, why wait to have them struggle is the question. And, like, you know, what would be shocking is not even we don't have to go deep into this, but Louis, Ro- uh, Louis Robert or Louis Robert of the Chicago White Sox is just crushing baseballs all through the minor leagues. He's up in a crushing them still. It'd be great if they gave him a shot in September. Okay, hey, just go take 70 to 90 at-bats. Just see how you do. And then we'll see you in spring training and figure it out. That would be fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really it's disappointing. Like I was thinking about that earlier about guys like Bo um and Robert. Like, you know, their teams have kind of shown last year with Eloy and Vlad Jr. that they may not be willing, that they may not uh, call them up, you know, this year. I have, I'm, I'm stashing Bobette in one league, and I was just kind of reminded of that. I think I was listening to a podcast and they they referenced it and so it, it's it's certainly disappointing, but like you mentioned, like I would just love to see these guys up because they they inject so much excitement into the game
1: Well, on the bright side, since I saw you're going to first pitch Arizona, if they don't come up, there's a good chance you'll see them in Arizona, so that'll be fun for you definitely
0: yeah i will uh i will be i will be rooting them on um uh, in first pitch Arizona, and uh, I'm excited about doing that.
1: There you go. Let's talk about the Boston Red Sox. Nate Eovaldi, everyone's waiting for him to come back. He's going to be our closer. Woof. What took place tonight might put a little hold on that, or they'll just say, you know, he's he's getting fresh legs under him because he didn't make it out of an inning, I believe. Gave up a ton of – I was looking at Brandon Workman's. Eovaldi, two-thirds of an inning's pitch. He faced seven batters. He went five hits, three earned runs, struck out two it was not pretty. Um, it was, it was loud contact. I saw Meadows lace one off the wall. Brandon Workman's been putting in some good, good, no pun intended work of late getting a couple yeah. of saves <laughs> here and there. Um, and he looks really good. He was kind of, you know, so they will be all year it's been brazier and it's been Barnes and these are the guys and here's Brandon Workman. He's got a one, eight, four ERA, a three, six, four XFIP and five saves out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know. I think they might just kind of share the role for now, but what do you think is going to happen here? Because Evaldi looked bad. Working's been great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted out earlier this week, I just don't think Eovaldi is closer material. Um, you know, and obviously going to the bullpen may help him out dramatically, but outside of last year, he's really never been a good pitcher. I mean, you look at his whip. Since he started his career, a 138, a 151, a 132, a 133, a 145, a 131. Last year's 113, this year's 152, obviously in a very short stint. You know, um, I think that we are placing a little bit too much emphasis on last year, which appears to have been a career year from him in pretty much every single metric. He doesn't strike a ton of guys out. He doesn't have a knockout pitch. And what I mean by that is just a pitch that gets a really high swinging strike rate and a pitch that he can he can dominate in the zone on as well. And so it may be that, you know, the velocity uh, uptick, I didn't see what, we, what he was sitting at tonight, but that that gives him a little bit of a boost. But I really just don't see him as being uh, a guy who can close. I think the best case scenario um, is if, you know, he can throw that fastball and the splitter works for him, and it, and it kind of improves because he's coming out of the bullpen. But again, he's going to have a settling in, and Brandon Workman has been really good recently. I mean, he's not without his problems. He has some control issues, six-plus uh, walks per nine this year, uh, but he throws his curve a bunch. It doesn't get a bunch of swinging strikes, but it does generate over 60% ground balls, and so he's been able to limit contact. Um, he's up two miles per hour from last year. His fastball has been pretty dominant with a 14.6% swinging strike rate. And so Workman's doing the job. I think he has three or four saves in a row here without any mess ups. Uh, Eovaldi you know, gets pegged back a little bit for tonight. And so for me, uh, I, I think Workman, you probably, if you, if you got him, if you didn't have him already, you got him on the cheat this week because everybody was expecting Eovaldi to be the guy. Workman may not be it either, but I'm just not sure that the guy that's the best fit for the closing role is on their team right now. And I think if it is, I think it's Workman or another piece, and I don't think it's Eovaldi. How are you feeling about him?
1: Yeah, first off, I think they're trading for a bullpen piece. I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. But um, I pulled up Eovaldi's numbers on StatCast from tonight. He only threw twenty four pitches, but he had a um, two swinging strikes and seven called strikes, so a thirty seven point five CSW in a small sample, which I guess gives you some glimmer of hope. Um, his fastball his four fastball, averaged almost ninety eight, maxed out at ninety nine. Uh, cutter at eighty two. Um, you know everything else looked pretty good for the most part, even as a uh, he only threw his fastball and his cutter, pretty much it. So he wasn't really going too many other pitches, if he has any others that I'm not aware of. But his uh, his cutter. <laughs> Average exit velocity was 91 miles an hour, maxed out at 112. So that wasn't fooling anybody. The force team was fooling him. The cutter was not. I think Evaldi's made for the bullpen just because he's not a big. He's a good hard thrower. Not not a lot of. I really don't even think he has a really good third pitch to begin with. But um, that's their work. I think is going to split some time. But I'm, I'm with you. I think he they end up trading for someone that that came out today. There's different rumors of uh, people they're looking at. Maybe they'll go and get Will Smith from the Giants, and it'll make it really fun. Get Bumgarner oh, too, while at it.
0: I w- I would love Will Smith to go to the Red Sox because I have Will Smith like everywhere, and I'm just dreading that Will Smith traded to the Dodgers news. You know, just send it, sending you right, back. You and me both. The last this. thing,
1: I, last thing I need to do is see a Giant helping the Dodgers win playoff games. I just, I understand I it's good for the team. I know, I know it's good for the team, but that's just that's a tough one to swallow right, right. there.
0: It's going to be crazy uh, though if they do well against the hubs this weekend i mean or yeah you know, right. i mean early this week you never know
1: yeah there, there's it, it's crazy they're, they're in they're 500 going into the night they're 50 and 50 that's something i ever saw thought i'd see happen this year so let's put it that way they're actually contending which is terrifying right now. two
0: and now. a half games out
1: man yeah i know it, It's not good because i can i can hear the arguments for the giants to go for it, but my argument is Keep selling and rebuilding. It's getting better already. Keep follow. The, what did the the Sixers used to say? Trust the process. Just Trust the process. It'll work out, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll wait and see. You there. The Red
0: Fox have some nice pieces, I think, in the low minors. So maybe that maybe they can swing a deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: trust. I trust uh, Farhan Zahidi. So whatever he wants to do, go do. I'm good. Um, last piece of news. It's not a major piece, but it's something I think to keep an eye on. That's so why I wanted to mention it. Amir Garrett. The old Amir Garrett that used to be a starting pitcher for the, the Reds and was bad. That's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, he's been phenomenal out of the bullpen. Really, really good. A 166 ERA, 310 XFIP. He's 4 and 1. He's pitched in 43 games, uh, over 13 Ks per nine. Things look really good with him. And there was like talk at one point that he could potentially close. Who knows if that happens? But I know he's, he's actually like in deep leagues. He does help your ratios at time. And if they make some trades, which they could he could sneak his way into some closing duties. I just wanted to bring him up real quick. If you don't have a lot, it's fine. But do you have anything on Amir Garrett?
0: No, I mean, I think you covered it. Like he's just been nasty this year. 17% swinging strike rate, 35.4% CSW, 35.9% K rates. Walks are a bit high, but he's a guy, he's one of those guys you pick up and you just hope that he ends up uh, landing the closer role because he could be a really, uh, really dominant force at the back of their bullpen for a number of years because I still think, control him for a while
1: yeah they should have some control because they've had him for a long time now um now that you mentioned it so they should have some control over him for a while all right we're going to move on to a a part we don't really have a title for it i just put our way for real like guys that are playing well or not playing well should we be looking at something differently and maybe going to grab them selling them who knows just players to talk about that are that are on the tips of fantasy verbiage around baseball right now and um, if you guys ever have any Send them our way. We'll talk about them. But uh, we'll start with Nico Goodrum, who, you know, just over the last uh, week or so since the 14th has really, really hit a hot streak. So basically since the All-Star break, if you really want to get crazy with it, he's hitting 400 with two home runs, 448 Woba. Is this something we should be buying into, Toby, or is this just another hot stretch? Because one thing with Nico, even during since the 14th, he has three stolen bases. So he's hitting it with a little bit of power and he's running, and he's got so much multi-position eligibility, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, I think, especially in deeper leagues. I targeted him on a, in a number of leagues, a couple 12-teamers in, in NFBC, and then in, in the Barf League, actually, the one that, the league that we share. Um, mm-hmm. because, because of the upcoming schedule, to be honest with you, it's not really – like Goodrum, he's got some power, not a ton. He's got some. He's going to hurt you in batting average and OBP. Uh, he provides a decent amount of counting stats, but he's also been stealing bases, like you mentioned. The, and stealing stolen bases are so valuable. Um, in the next seven series, the Tigers play the Phillies, the Mariners, the Angels, the Rangers, the Royals, the White Sox, and the Mariners again. So, of those pitching staffs, Texas probably has the best one, and I wouldn't call their pitching staff dominant by any by any means. Um, and so that's really the reason why I went after him. When you take a look under the hood, he's got a 366 woba since July 1st, but it's a 227 expected woba. So he's been pretty fortunate. Uh, o swing at 32.1% over his last 30 games. Uh, 80% Z contact, 67.6% contact. Just to give folks a an idea, the average O swing is between like 30 and 31% generally. So he's right around league average there. In zone contact or Z contact averages around 85%. uh, And then 77% is average for contact. So anything under that, you're really going to expect a guy to strike out at a decent clip. And so not surprisingly, like based on what we see from Goodrum, we're going to see that his ground ball rate is at 41% um, over those last 30 days, which which isn't too bad, but he's not hitting the ball very hard, 27.1%. The hard hit rate has gone up a little bit over the last 15 games um, and the ground ball rate is starting to fall, but um, you know, there's nothing in the underlying metrics that are really pointing to anything terrific from Goodrum, but I do think that given the next seven series, so essentially the next uh, three to four weeks, um, he should be playable. I think especially in deeper leagues, you can take a shot on him and hope that he gets you a little power speed combo. Uh, How are you feeling about Nico?
1: 100 with you i actually drafted him in bar further this year and then i had to drop him through two issues and him not producing and now he's he's doing what i actually drafted him to do it just took him forever to do it which is a shame but uh, so be it and um i, I like him I, I think he's got that talent um I, I always get concerned when they make young kids play multiple positions like they just rotate him everywhere he's playing shortstop at one point this year that was just bananas seeing that so uh i like him a lot the power is, is going to be like you know even coming to the season, I thought if he had 15 homers, I'd be happy. It's the speed part I like. You know, not averaging going to completely kill you. Um, like you said earlier with Kiermaier, steals are so valuable and so hard to find right now. If he can get you you know, the way he's running right out there, the Tigers have no reason not to let him run. He might get you 10 steals by the time the season's over. And that's that's huge come, come late in the year when it comes to moving up the Roto standings. So I, I like him a lot. Um, he, he shouldn't kill you in any category. And like you said – with the next seven series, that's, that's going to be tremendous. All right, let's talk Manny Margot. This is a name that's been very, very popular, uh, like Matt Modica and many others have been talking about him when it comes to waiver wires. Before Sunday's 0-5, he was right on the five-game hit streak. Over the last six games, he's hit 400 with six extra base hits, a stolen base. He's been batting second for the for the Padres, only striking out 11% of the time, which is really – I know it's a small sample, but Manny Margot only 11% percent k rate. Stands out to me, even in a small sample. But he was hitting everything in Chicago and Miami. I know it hasn't been consistent playing time, but it's what we've wanted to see for a long time. Should we be buying into this, Toby?
0: Um, You know, I I think uh, yes and no. Um, If you look at his uh, number, his Statcast expected metric since July first, he's got a three twenty nine or he's got a four fifty eight woba, but a three twenty nine expected woba. So he's way outperforming, you know, what the underlying skills show. And expected WOBA, just for folks who aren't familiar, um, you know, that's a combination of essentially strikeouts, walks, and then quality of contact um, that StatCast puts together. And so guys who have higher walk rates, lower K rates are obviously going to do well as our guys who hit for power. And so that doesn't necessarily capture all of Margot's skills because really what you're looking for, like, yes, he hit, I don't know what he hit, like eight or 13 home runs a couple years back, but I actually think what I like most about Margot, which is going to sound kind of weird, is that he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot. Uh, Margot is a guy that I've been off of for quite a long time, and it served me pretty well, and one of the reasons is because he had a pretty low ground ball percentage. He was hitting the ball in the air a ton, but he doesn't necessarily have the power to hit it out, and so his... uh, he just his batting average was low, even though he's got great plate discipline, good contact skills, um, and and in a lot of instances was hitting the ball hitting the ball fairly hard. And so I like the fact that he's got a fifty one point five percent ground ball percentage right now because when it comes to Margot, what I want to see is I want to see him getting on base and stealing bases. And I think the other thing that's changed is his success rate at stolen bases. I think he's thirteen for thirteen this year after being under fifty percent. In the last two years and so i think for those reasons he's certainly uh fantasy viable i mean anybody who who steals bases at this at this juncture without destroying every other category is doing that and he's playing a lot i think he's even moved up in the lineup to hitting number two in the last three games so i certainly think he think he think he can bring a lot of value i don't necessarily think that um you know he's going to be um Awesome the rest of the year, but I think he'll steal some bases, and you know, and hopefully have a decent batting average for folks. The one thing I will say, his next um, series are against uh, the Mets, the Giants, the Orioles, the Dodgers, the Mariners, and the Rockies. And I think only the Dodgers ha- are decent against stolen bases, and so uh, it may be he might go on a little a nice little stolen base run here um, over the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting with him. I think the the stolen base is what I'd be grabbing him for. So if that's the case, I'd be a big, big fan of that. And it would definitely be something to uh, take a gander at. Cause I think that would be really nice to have with one Manny Margot. Let's go to Oscar Mercado. One of the big pieces of the Fab Giddon Fabapalooza, whatever you want to call it, hmm. but he was like the, the kind of unforgotten son. It was him and like Nicky Lopez But then everyone else wanted Kesson Hira and Austin Riley and all the big toys. Well, Oscar Mercado might be putting together the best overall run outside of Kesson Hira right now. Um, He's been a beast over the last week or so, hitting 407 with three home runs, three stolen bases, another steals guy. Um, So a lot to like there. But, you know, as you'll get into here with some of the advanced stats here, over the last month or so, it hasn't been like gravy gravy. One thing that really stood out to me is the average X of loss. He's only 80, a little less than 88 miles an hour. So he's still not crushing it, crushing it. But what do you have on Oscar Mercado?
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a lot to like in, Mer- in, in Mercado. I covered him a few weeks back on my po- uh, on uh, my podcast. Um, he just has a solid all-around approach. Like, he does everything about league average, Um you know, his O swing over the last 30 games, 28.3%, so better than league average, which is, is really nice for a guy who has speed. Contact rate, 87% in the zone, 78% outside of the zone, so slightly better than league average right there, too. Ground ball percentage at 45%, you know, slightly above league average, but okay for a guy who's, who's got some speed. And then a 40% hard hit rate, so slightly above league average there, too. So overall, like a guy who's slightly above league really average when you look at the skills, not surprisingly, since July 1st, he does have a 310 WOBA, uh, but which is below league average. League average is around three, uh, 320. But he's got a 339 expected WOBA. So he's gotten a little unlucky, but, again, he started off super hot with a Babbitt that was not going to be sustain- sustainable. Um, but over the last 15 games, um, you know, he's pretty much held on to what he's uh, been doing. The ground ball percentage has gone up a little bit. But he's got three stolen bases and three home runs in those last 15 games, which is great. But I think overall, he's a really nice player, slightly better than league average from the skills. And he's making contacts. He's going to get on base with the better than league average plate discipline as well. And that's perfect for a speed guy. We, we see that so rarely and so surprisingly with speed guys. And you look at the upcoming schedule for the, the Indians uh, at Toronto, at KC, then Houston, then the Angels, Texas, and the Twins. So really only one series that you're you're worried about from a matchups perspective with, uh, with the Astros. Um, and so I, I think Mercado is a really nice guy to own. And he's one of those guys, like a lot of times with Fabapalooza and things like that, um, you know, a lot of times the guys you bid a lot on are really, really good. But sometimes when there's a, a, a kind of bottleneck of talent like that, sometimes it just makes sense to go after the lower bid guys assuming that you know they're all uh, within the realm of, of, uh, of, of projections and possibilities around the same, just going for the lower big guy this time around may have really benefited you.
1: No, that's such a good point. There's a lot of different ways to get production from a team and just the shiniest of toys is not always the best way to go about it because it costs more. And in the end, you might need those dollars. So something to always think about. But uh, yeah, Mercado has been very, very good and I think he's going to have a good stretch. And I think the moral of the story already between Mercado and Goodrum, and the AL Central is not very good. So pick on <laughs> the AL Central matchups down the stretch. Absolutely, uh, Anthony Santander. A lot of people probably don't even know his name. Hopefully, many do by now that are playing fantasy baseball if they listen to one of our shows. But he, he was, you know, an okay prospect. He got a little cup of coffee last year. He's getting a little more run this year since July first. He's hitting three hundred nine, a three forty five woba. His expected woba is not very good, two eighty nine uh a little bit of power eh, minor speed but he's getting everyday playing time on a bad baltimore team you can probably get him for a dollar next week if he's available still is there any uh you know interest in a guy like anthony santander
0: yeah i mean one of the when i'm looking at players like as folks can tell like hearing me drone on about uh some of the underlying skills like i like to look at plate discipline i like to look at contact as kind of like a foundation of what the play skills are um, then ground ball percentage, just to see how much folks are elevating it. Um, and then hard hit rate, at least from like the fan graphs metrics that I like to look at, not talking about stat cast and expected metrics, barrels and things of that nature. For Santander, what interests me most is the contact rate. He's a guy who's kind of sold out a little bit of his power um, for contact, 87% in the zone, 83% total. Um, so he's making a lot of contact, above league average contact, but his ground ball percentage is also above league average. Hard hit rate under league average over the last 30 games and the plate discipline isn't great. Um, But over the last 15 games, that hard hit rate has increased a little bit. The ground ball percentage has uh, gone down a little bit. Um, So it may be signs that he's improving. And I don't mind giving a shot to a guy who's getting everyday playing time, especially since outfield in deeper leagues is so hard this year. Um, And uh, especially a guy who has had power in the past, and is demonstrating contact gains, because I think the hope is that they're somehow able to integrate that. We don't see it happening a lot, but um, it's what we, can, what we can hope for. And so if I think you throw in a dollar on Santander, that's what you're hoping for. His next series are at uh, the D-backs, at the Angels, at San Diego, and then three series at home, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Astros. So not necessarily uh, the best um, matchups. Uh, towards the back end of that, but not terrible matchups this week um so you know he's an intriguing enough profile, but not necessarily somebody that I'm looking at at all in twelve teamers.
1: yeah, gets a west coast trip, but the the good part is is even against you know good teams, if you're at home in Baltimore, the ball flies out of that ballpark, so yeah. uh, with the way the ball's going, he might run into a few. I don't hate it at all i've I've used him in d f s once in a while when they're in good matchups because he's cheap and I know the production can be there with him. It's just not going to be super consistent, but he's a very good player in a deep league to uh, take a chance on, especially like in a five out filler league. I don't hate that at all. Uh, Let's go to Tommy Pham. This one is frustrating because the talent is there. It just hasn't been consistently put out there. Going into the All-Star break, he was hitting a well. A couple games out of the break, was hitting a well. But the last week or so has been just a massive funk. And we look at his stat cast numbers from July. It's kind of concerning to me but you're the the smarter one than I am. So are you seeing anything different with Tommy Pham?
0: No, I, I mean, um, so for Fam, 288 WOBA since July 1st, 309 expected WOBA. So not great from him, but what you can rely on with Fam is a very strong foundation of plate skills. He's got some of the best plate discipline uh, in baseball. So if you're in an OBP league, while well, he hasn't been great, um, he's been able to hold on to it with a 19% O swing. That's elite number right there. in-zone contact, that's elite. 78% overall contact, that's strong right there. Always hits a ton of ground balls, but always hits the ball hard. 50% ground ball rate over the last 30 games. 43% hard hit rate over the last uh, 30 games. And I think the key for looking at a guy like Pham and determining what to do is, is, is there a major change in what he's doing like under the hood? right? And I don't think we see that necessarily. The outcomes haven't been great. But we know that Fam can get really cold. He got really cold last uh, uh, last year when the Cardinals traded him, which was one of the worst trades I have ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Um, but the, the, uh, the Tampa Bay ultimate... Rays and the
1: Pirates—they hold my beard. Oh
0: man! Oh yeah! Right, Chris Archer. Oh god! <laughs> um, and then the the uh, um, and he was so hot in the second half of for the Rays last year, and so I think we're going to see something similar from Fam right now. Um, he, nothing is changing in the underlying skills, 217 Babbitt over the last 30 games as well. Um, I think if you just stick with him, I think you're going to be handsomely rewarded um, down the stretch. Uh, One thing that I would note that I found interesting, I saw on Twitter today um, from one of the, one of the guys who follows the Rays uh, very, very closely. And and I'm not talking about our boy Yancy Eaton, who I'm sure will be Uh a huge fan of our pod as well. Uh, but Sandy, Sandy Kazmir, I think it's at Sandy Kazmir on. Oh, is that
1: Kazmir's like mom or sister or something?
0: Uh, I, 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 I don't, I don't think so. He's, uh, he's a bit, he's a big Rays fan. Um, they have a tough, uh, schedule. They've had a really tough schedule without many days off. Um, I think it's just been crazy since the all-star break and even before the all-star break. And so, um, he was pointing out that fam is one of the few guys who is in the, um, uh, in the uh, lineup every single day for the Rays, you know he doesn't really get switched, swapped out like a lot of their guys do, and so uh, they get more off days coming up. So maybe that'll that'll give them a little bit of rest. They do have a solid schedule: um, Boston uh, at Toronto, at Boston, Miami, Toronto, uh, and then at Seattle. There's a lot of left-handed pitchers in that in those um, on those teams as well. So. I um I think you stick with Fam and I he'd, he'd be a guy that I would target in a trade, um, if um, you know if if folks are making him available or they grow tired of him.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I'm I'm always a Tommy Fam fan. It's just uh, is this slump was well, a tad bit concerning, but good to hear there's maybe some hope on the horizon thanks to Ms. Casimir there. Um, Jonathan VR. This one is weird to me because I look at his numbers, peripheral-wise, 279 in the month of July. You know, he's got four extra base hits, a stolen base, nothing fancy there. Only a 301 Woba. If you look at his X stats, it's it's not pretty. Should we be okay with what's going on here, or is there a cause for concern with uh, Johnny VR?
0: Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see any major cause for concern. Over the last 30 games, the plate discipline has been solid 25%. Uh, 77 in-zone contact, 72 uh, overall contact. Ground ball is high, but it always is with VR. Hard hit rate not that great. I mean, one of the things about VR, and I think generally, is like for VR, what you're going to measure his success on is stolen bases for the most part, and then, you know, not destroying you in batting average, and then providing a little bit of power. And so his profile isn't going to be one that has a super high WOBA just because the walk rate um uh the k rate's gonna be pretty high walk rates to be pretty low doesn't hit for a ton of power so i'm not as concerned about that metric necessarily for vr um, but it's more about the stolen bases and so um you know if if he's doing those things i think fantasy owners will be happy but like you mentioned i think you mentioned there's only one stolen base since july 1st so i'd be a little bit more concerned about that as would i be concerned that vr really isn't a part of the orioles future i don't think and i actually think that future is very bright i think what their um, what their management team uh, has done so far, I think, has been really, really impressive. Um, but um, you know, his his schedule, schedule coming up: VR uh, at Arizona, at the Angels, at San Diego, and then Toronto, New uh, Yankees, and Astros at home. So you know, it, like like with Santander, it's an okay schedule moving forward. Uh, I think um, you know, VR is fine. You have any yeah, thoughts okay. on him? You,
1: I, I own him in a couple places. I got him for steals. The fact he's not stealing stinks, like 270 on average, I can definitely live with that. I wasn't planning on a lot of power with him. He's kind of doing everything else, kind of little less than you'd hope for, but he's not killing you. I need him to steal bases. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. But, um, yeah, I, I, the other part is I do like what the Orioles are doing with the organization. Uh, you know, in the offseason, they made some changes there. They're actually signing um, foreign players from the Latin America, which is nice for once. Uh, they drafted much better with Mr. Rushman as a number one pick. Uh, there's a lot to like, like you said. It's still a few years away, but uh, things are moving up for the Baltimore Orioles. But similar to the Rays who are doing it last year and this year, it's just, it's hard to get past the Yankees and the Red Sox in that division. It's very tough. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo Cain,
0: yeah. One of the brutal things about stolen base, guys, uh, is that you know VR could have one stolen base like since July 1st, and then you take him out of his lineup oh, and he gets oh. three stolen bases in a game, you know, and it's just, yep. it's just brutal.
1: It's so hard. That's why I just every, every TGFBI Monday morning, yes, please put VR back in the lineup. Just like, something <laughs> night I take him out cause I'm mad Monday. I put him back in. Cause that, like you said, the week you take him out, at least with an FBC, it's four day, three day pattern. So you don't get the whole week burned on you, but yeah. all it takes is one game. Like those guys can get three steals in one game and you're kicking yourself. So, yeah, 100% agree with you there. Uh, Lorenzo Cain came out of the All-Star break swinging a really, really good bat. It looked like it might be turning around last five or six games or so. It's back to kind of wondering where is the Lorenzo Cain we know. You know, it could be injuries, but they say he's healthy. I don't know. I could be missing something there. What are you seeing with Lorenzo
0: Cain? I actually really like uh, Cain a lot. 309 WOBA since July 1st, but a 368 expected WOBA. He's one of the guys that I would be targeting in the second half. If you're looking for batting average and stolen bases, he's had a number of small injuries throughout the year that have kept him out every once in a while from the lineup, but he's kind of played. He's kind of uh, persevered through that, but the skills, the skills particularly with the hard hit rate and with the ground ball rate have been, um, at the, not where you want them to be. And I think that's sometimes a decent sign that a player might be injured, not elevating the ball, Um, like they normally do, not able to hit the ball really hard. But over the last 30 games, uh, 26% O swing, so really nice plate discipline, which is great for a guy who's got his speed. Uh, 91 in-zone contact, 82% contact overall. That's very elite. It's very Lorenzo Cain. Hard hit rate up to 44%, ground ball percentage at 54%. That's not too far off of his three-year average. But earlier this year, if if my memory serves me correctly, he was around 60% for ground balls. Um, So this is looking like vintage Kane. Over the last 15 games, the contact and hard hit rate are both up. The hard hit rate is close to 50%. um, And the ground ball percentage is down at 45%. Six of his 12 stolen bases and three of his seven home runs have come in the last month. And so I think he's getting hot at the right time. Uh, he should be back atop that Brewers lineup on a consistent basis, uh, get you a ton of runs. And I think the stolen bases will come as well. He's got Cincinnati and Chicago Cubs this week. Then he's at Oakland at the Chicago Cubs at Pittsburgh and then Texas kind of up and down uh, schedule right there. Uh, the Oakland a series should be a really good one for him from a stolen base perspective. Um, but I really like Kane moving uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, that'd be good because the Brewers' offense could use some consistency besides Christian Yellick right now. And Keston Hero, of course, has been out of this world. He was the NL Player of the Week this past week, to be honest. So, yeah, um, yeah there, there's, there's a lot to like with Lorenzo Kane. Just hopefully it comes to be because I'm a big fan of low Kane. It's just been a frustrating season if you're a low Kane owner, but you you can't drop him. you got to ride it out and see what happens. Uh, the next guy I've always been a fan of, and – People thought, you know, it was one year in Chicago where he just burst onto the scene. was well, all bad with luck. Well, I, I don't think so. Aviso Garcia showing it again here in the month of July. 327 average, you know, three uh, three extra base hits, even a stolen base. He's going to get more playing time, like you mentioned earlier, with the um, Kiermaier injury, more consistent playing time. He's a lefty masher. If he's facing left-handed pitching, enjoy that one while you can. When you look at the X stats, he's been pretty legit in the month of July. What's your take on Aviso Garcia? Are we waiting for the fall off? Or are we buying in and riding this roller coaster out?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think roller coaster is a really good description for, uh, for Garcia. I mean, I think he's got one of those high variance profiles where he doesn't have great contact rate, chases a lot of pitches outside the zone. But I do think that he's, he's going on a little bit of a heater here. 357 Woba since July 1st, but a 393 expected Woba. I think the major difference you see from him um, recently um, is the ground ball percentage. He's generally like above league average ground ball percentage guy. It's gotten better this year with the Rays, and I think it's the second consecutive year he's improved it. Over the last 30 games, it's right around the league average at 44%. But when you drill down um, to the last 15 games, uh, it's at 30%, which is actually a three-year low for a 15-game rolling average for him. So when I see things that are outside the normal variance for a player like that, um you know it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside uh <laughs> but uh in this particular case i think it really bodes well for his power uh, production i think it points to the fact that he is trying to hit the ball in the air more and he's a barrel guy like he always has a ton of barrels and like you mentioned with the stolen bases he has nine stolen bases this year lorenzo kane has 12 avasale garcia has nine he's actually he's actually fast um like he's yep. just like a stat cast darling And then when you look again, similar to uh, the Ray, uh, to when we covered Fam, a lot of lefties coming up, which Avisale hits really, really hard. You got uh, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, Red Sox, Marlins, Blue Jays, Mariners over the next six series. And I like that a lot. So Garcia is a guy in 12 teamers. If he's been dropped for some reason, I would go after him. Um, He's not a bad guy to target if you can get him on the cheap here.
1: Yeah, I'm a big Avasil fan. I I think I wrote about him in the preseason because when I was looking at numbers, his what was next, what was Everything just jumped off the page and no one wanted to draft him. They're like, nope, not doing it. And like all the projection sites had Avasil hitting cleanup for the Rays. I'm like, why are we not drafting this guy? Well, it it took a little bit of time, but he's starting to really form into that. And people forget he's only 28 years old. He's still really young. So we might see some more of this from him in the future. So, if you can't grab him this year, we'll probably talk about him before next year. But just keep him in mind because I think he's very good and he's like that perfect low key Tampa Bay Rays guy, like the perfect guy for that lineup. So I like that a lot. Uh, you added one more hitter on here that I, I saw the outline. I was like, okay, I can't wait to learn about him because I've seen his name. <laughs> I know, I know he's been productive. Um, Harold Castro of the Baltimore Orioles, second baseman, month of July, he's hitting three forty five, three fifty three woba, three extra base hits. That seems very productive to me. Doesn't walk a ton, but uh, all in all, he's had a productive July. What do we need to know about Harold Castro?
0: Yeah, well, I think you may be confusing him with uh, Hanser Alberto of the Orioles. Harold Castro <laughs> is uh, is on the Tigers. Um, oh yes, my bad. Yes, I have no. <laughs> his page up. Detroit Tigers second baseman. It's I quite all right. Orioles. Uh, Alex, I'd like obscure second baseman with, second baseman <laughs> with dual eligibility for a 1,000, please. Uh, what is Harold Castro or Hans or Alberto? Um, yes. So, Harold Castro. I actually,
1: I'm an Alberto owner, by the way. So yes. You are.
0: Yeah, I actually – I was looking at him. I had a couple – a few conditional bids on him uh, a few weeks back just because of the batting average and stolen bases yes. when they had a nice little schedule there. Um, so Castro, um, he is actually a fairly similar player to Alberto. Um, uh, he is a guy who chases a ton of pitches. He reminds me also of Ronnie Rodriguez, um, who was a thing for like, you know, a month there um, with the same D- uh, Detroit Tigers. 357 Woba since July 1st, a 350 expected Woba. He just got outfield eligibility. So at least in NFBC leagues, he's got second base shortstop and outfield. Um, he's been on a bit of a roll recently he's got that high variance profile, um, but he makes a decent amount of contact, uh, the contact rate has been above league average throughout the year, it's come down a little bit of late, um, but uh, it's been well above league average for a little while here, so he may be kind of coming to his, uh, to his end his, his end here I did pick him up in one league this year, uh, this week 15 teamer. Uh, but he does have that nice schedule that the Tigers have. He does have dual eligibility. So in deeper leagues, I think he's worth a look. Uh, he hits the ball hard, slightly better than league average, around 40%. But again, those the next seven series for the Tigers are the Phillies, the Mariners, the Angels, the Rangers, the Royals, the White Sox, the Mariners. So for that reason, um, I think he deserves a, a decent look. He'll steal a couple bases for you potentially. Hit Should hit for a decent average. And uh, outside of that, um, you know, that's about it.
1: <laughs> no, I like it, though, because that's the kind of obscure names that we're going to need late in the season here. We're going to get a bunch of call-ups that people going not want to know about. And a guy like Harold Castro is actually playing on a Detroit team that why wouldn't they play him if he's being productive? What do they have to lose by playing him? I think it's very, very interesting. When I look at Fantasy Pros, he's owned in 1% of Yahoo! Leagues and 0% of ESPN Leagues. So if you're listening to the podcast, he's available. If you need some of the stats that Toby was talking about at uh, the middle infield positions. All right. This one, I, I needed you to talk about it because I saw your tweet. It's always good when a tweet works right away. It's always yeah. a good time to take that. You got to milk it, tip. right? You got to yes, milk yes, it when he does. I'm hundred percent with you. You tweeted it out. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there going, what is he doing with this guy? Like, what's he seeing here? But you, you dug into the numbers and you and did the math and, he nearly no-hit the Boston Red Sox on Sunday. I'm talking about Asher Wojciechowski And nowhere. I'm not talking about anybody on Duke. This is a pitcher um, for the Baltimore Orioles. I got it right this time. He was outstanding. Seven and a third, one hit, no earned, two walk, 10 Ks against the Red Sox. He's made five starts this year, or five appearances. He's Basically, in his four starts, he's struck out six or more guys. He's been very productive so far, and no one has wanted to buy into it until you did. What are we seeing with Asher Wojciechowski?
0: Yeah, um, well, and, and, I'll be, and I'll be honest, like I saw that, I tweeted it out, just because like the numbers were so extreme, right? Like everybody's like, oh, it's a small sample, it's a small sample, and small samples, yes, you know, right? Is Asher Wojciechowski over the course of the rest of the season going to be a superlative pitcher? I, I don't know. Chances are probably not, right? The projections would tell you that they're not. But I think when you see extreme um, small samples, it can still be meaningful. And he had a he had a swinging strike rate heading into the last game uh, over the last two weeks of 19.8%, and that's like literally there's probably ten pitchers in baseball that can get there um, over even a two or three course of two or three games um, as starting pitchers. So that's what was kind of interesting to me. Would I have recommended you start him against the Red Sox? I'm not so sure. Uh, But the the key for him really appears to be the introduction of, it's a curveball or a cutter, depending on which stat service you look at. StatCast calls it a curve, which I think it most likely is. Uh, And then Brooks Baseball and Pitch Info on Fangraphs call it a cutter. Uh, Whatever it is, it's a devastating pitch. It has a 25% swinging strike rate. He had never thrown the pitch before his start on July 7th. But since throwing that pitch, since starting to throw that pitch, uh, he has a 20% swinging strike rate overall, uh, which is beat, beaten only by Garrett Cole, Mike Clevenger, and Luis Castillo over that same period of time. And that's really what I'm interested in, right? I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the fact that um, uh, you know, he's got uh, uh, in in zone contact rate well below 80% over that period of time, uh, which is elite. He's got a CSW over 30% over that time. And even better than that, his control metrics are, are league average. Um, you know, not necessarily the, the first pitch strike in the zone percentage. Uh, those are below league average. But the percent of pitches that he's throwing that are balls is right around league average. And that's because he's getting a guys to chase at pitches outside the zone a ton. Now, the big kind of warning sign for Wojciechowski is his quality of contact. He's given up 8.5% barrels per plate appearance so far this year, which is very poor. Um, And for that reason, he's got a 313 expected WOBA this year versus a 303 WOBA. And so there's definitely a lot of risk in the profile, but these strikeout skills, they don't appear on the waiver wire very often. And I think when they do, you really need to jump. And so that's why I've been such an avid pusher of him not because I think that he's going to be the greatest pitcher of all time, but because I do think that those are skills worth taking a chance on, especially with the Angels uh, coming up, the Angels and Blue Jays in his next two starts. Um, You know, the Blue Jays aren't a pushover anymore. uh, The Angels aren't necessarily either, but they're certainly not um, starts that you're concerned about. And so I think the next two starts will be very instructive in terms of what he's able to do. Um, but for right now, I'm I'm starting him in 15 team leagues. I think I even have him going in a couple 12s. Uh, but there's enough there uh, to, to that clearly piqued my interest, um, and and he showed it against the Red Sox there.
1: Yeah, that was really surprising against the Red Sox of all the teams to uh, to do it to, and that was outstanding. Like you said, with the Angels coming up and some other nice matchups, it's definitely something to take an eye on. And I know a lot of people added him over the last week, so it'll be interesting to see. If this keeps up, like you said, it's hard to find strikeouts like that down the stretch. So it's a heck of a find by you. I would never have even like, he's one of those guys. I just looked at the name and looked at the team and I just walked by. That's my bad because you dug into it and found found a gym. And that is absolutely outstanding. Hopefully he keeps it up. Um, Let's talk Ronaldo Lopez. Everyone's got their kryptonite. He seems to be mine. Like I gave up on him so far this year. I'm proud of myself. I don't like I have the itch from time to time, but I've stayed away from Ronaldo Lopez. But, you know, you see starts, like, against Tampa Bay. You see a start against Oakland and a couple others throughout the year. He just looks so good. Like, looks really, really good. And then there's the other starts where he's giving out home runs like they're candy on Halloween. So you just don't know what's going on with this guy. I, I've heard many people talk about him. Just tell me that I, I need to stay away because it's just not worth it. Or is there something here oh. that it, uh, it, it's worth trying to maybe take a, a bite out of?
0: Yeah, I should probably stay away. I was big on Lopez heading into this year because of that September he put together last year. Um, The thing for Lopez is it's all about velocity for him. Um, Coming out of that All-Star break, he's been one of, if not the worst pitchers in baseball, but his uh, fastball is up about two miles per hour since the All-Star break in his two starts. He's averaging 97 miles per hour on his fastball, which is among the league leaders. Um, During that time period, he has a 15.9% swinging strike rate, 76% in-zone contact rate, and a 32.3% CSW, which is really, really good um, across the board right there. And I think even more importantly, control has been a major issue for him. He's always struggled to get folks to swing at pitches outside the zone. And so he's really got to pump uh, pump pitches in the zone. And I think with that 97-mile-per-hour fastball, it might be giving him a little bit more confidence to do so. He's at a 48.7% zone percentage, um, and he's only got 33.3% of his pitches have gone for balls, which is well below league average for uh, for percent of pitches that are balls, and then the zone percentage is well above league average. And as a result, over those two games, again, a small sample size, but the reason why I'm focusing on it is because of the two-mile-per-hour increase in his fastball. Uh, his walk percentage over that period of time is a 5.8%, uh, which is really, really nice. And something I looked up uh, because of that increase in his fastball velocity, uh, Lopez, uh, throughout his career, on pitches 97 miles per hour above, he gives up an ex-WOBA of 261. I think he has 219 fastballs that he's thrown at 97 miles per hour or above in his career. 261 expected WOBA. At 96 and below, that expected WOBA jumps to 353. So I think the challenge with betting on Lopez is you're betting on him being able to maintain that uh, elite velocity that he's shown the last two starts, because if he doesn't, I think he becomes very, very hittable. Uh, But I think it's, it's worth a risk in deeper leagues, especially leagues. Like I picked him up in a quality start league, just because he does produce volume, generally speaking, like he's not a guy who they're shying away from uh, using him in the sixth or seventh inning if he's pitching decently. Um, So uh, there it, it's not without risks, but I think, um, it's a nice little schedule here for him to, for you to test him out. He's got Miami this week. Um, and then he's got uh, starts against the Mets and then at Oakland, I think for a two start week next week, I don't love that at Oakland start. Um, but I do think that if he can maintain that higher velocity, he becomes a really interesting pitcher in deeper leagues right now. And then in shallower leagues um if you if we see that he's able to continue it.
1: Well you're not helping my cause at all. But uh, I <laughs> guess it's it's good it's Sorry. it's good news. No, no, it's good news that he's actually uh throwing the I, I heard uh I believe it was Jason Collette was at the start over the weekend talking about how he was pumping you know ninety seven plus even late in the game. So that's good to see. And you made the point, they do let him go six plus innings, even when he's given up four or five runs. As long as the pitch count isn't through the roof. They they let him you know get his innings in, which is always good. And uh, if he can, you know, I might have to jump back on board here because even in Oakland, as, as scary as an offense is, that ballpark does help a bit. Not the greatest start in the world, like you said, but, uh, you know, it could, could come in handy there. So something to keep an eye on with um, Ronaldo Lopez. If anything, he's just going to suck us back in with a good end of the season for next year. And we'll do this dog and pony show all over again and hope it turns out better. Uh, Houston Astros, Jose or Kitty? He was outstanding over the weekend, uh, seven innings pitched two hits, one earned on a solo shot, nine K's against the Texas Rangers. He uh, had a rough go against the angels prior to that and pitched. Okay. In a small role in Coors field, but his minor league numbers were outstanding, uh, big time strikeout stuff. He's going to get another shot later this week. He's, you know, there's a few other guys that that could come out of that Houston rotation, but I'm a bigger key fan. He was added in a ton of leagues this week. Um, what did you find when you dug in on Urquidy?
0: Yeah. I mean, for Urkiti, I'm just pissed at myself because, you know, this week I was, I was so focused on Wojcikowski <laughs> and <laughs> my bids for him. And I did, and, uh, I just had a busy weekend. So I wasn't able to uh, invest as much time in the fab process as I would have liked to, but diving into him, I mean, there are some things to really love about uh, Urquidy. Um, You know, so in 13 innings pitched so far this year, he's got a 14.2% swinging strike rate. That's elite. He's got a 74.6% Z contact. That's elite. He's got a 32.6% CSW. That's borderline elite. He's got a 28.6% K minus walk rate. I think he has one walk so far in his three starts. That's elite. And then his control metrics are all, uh, at or better than league average, a 62.5% first pitch strike rate, 34.1% O swing, a 43.5% zone percentage. The only thing that's really bringing him down is that terrible start, but he's got a 389 BABIP and a 63.4% strand rate. Neither of those are going to hold. If he isn't owned, regardless of the size of a league, I'm getting out there right now and I am picking him up. I'm just mad at myself for not having picked him up earlier. And his next two starts, neither of them is very frightening, um, at St. Louis and then at Cleveland. One thing to note about St. Louis is they do have a lot of – they're a pretty righty-heavy lineup, and so um, uh, that's not too bad. Uh, So Urquidy is a guy, out of all the guys that we've covered, he would be at the top of my list um, for guys to pick up. What uh, What are you thinking? Were you able to watch his start at all?
1: I did not. I got to see the highlights on MLB Tonight or whatever they call quick pitch or whatever they call that late-night yeah. show. Uh, so I got to see the highlights, but I just know it was, I guess, before the All-Star break, before he got called up, uh, James Anderson and Clay Link, and they did their Thursday prospect podcast. Uh, James was just raving about what he saw with his minor league stuff when he had one of his prospect ranking updates. So it got my attention, and I, I looked into it a little bit. You know, the cooler start, I wasn't really jumping to do. I was looking forward to Anaheim, got beat up. But then we saw what we've seen in the minors all year on Sunday with, against the Rangers. And he's young. He's going to have hiccups as well as young pitchers do. But there's a ton of upside in this kid, and especially that big-time strikeout stuff. So, yeah, I'm with you. If you can get him, go get him. Uh, he was added in pretty much every league I exist in. So um, I have no shares of him. I did not get him. But uh, he, was, he was added everywhere. So uh, if you got him, go get him. A couple more to talk about here. This guy, I am scared to buy in on. I know some people are buying in, but Alex Young, he's had three. He's he's made four starts. He's three and zero. He's given up six runs. He has a two three eight ERA, but a four nine x fit. He's given up three home runs over that time. He's just such a soft tosser. I, I get terrified of seeing guys that that pitch like this. Is there something to be to the like here, or is the other shoe gonna drop eventually?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely been lucky. 182 WOBA, 266 expected WOBA. The 266 expected WOBA is still good. That's since July 1st. But he's got a 109 BABIP on the year and an 84.8% strand rate, uh, which is really, really high. I mean, the only guys that they're normally that post really high strand rates are are high K pitchers, and he's definitely not one of them. There are some things to like. He's got a 14.2% swinging strike rate. A solid repertoire outside of the fastballs, the fastballs are not not good um like you mentioned he's a soft tosser, but he's got three pitches with swinging strike rate over nineteen percent um and he's his ex woba is obviously showing even the two sixty six that he's limiting contact pretty well, but I don't think that they can overcome some of the bad parts thirty one percent zone percentage that's very very low below league average k percentage at twenty one point seven percent He's got very poor peripherals on his fastball and sinker, uh, low swinging strike rates on those, and they just get hit a lot in the zone. He's, he doesn't really have anything that can fool you inside the zone. And then he's, he gives up a really high fly ball percentage, 48%. Um, he has, a, uh, I think, a low home run per fly ball uh, so far this year, um, you know, which is kind of keeping him uh, uh, keeping him – keeping him reasonable, but I don't think that that's going to continue. So I think there's a lot of pieces there that uh, raise a lot of concerns. He's got Miami this week. He's got the Nationals next week. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really in on young, although I think in very deep leagues, like your NL only things like that, you're obviously going for him, but I don't even think I'd go after him in a 15 teamer. Cause I think he's a ticking time bomb.
1: Yep. That's the way I feel like I'm just waiting for it to happen. It's going to be one of those when someone finally buys in, it's going to be just disastrous, at least that's the way it looks. I, I just, In this era of baseball, we see with the way the ball flies out, if you're a soft tosser, you, you terrify me. You, you Seriously, just, you're pitching batting practices because if you're not locating, you are just giving it up, and that's what's scary about guys like Alex Young. Once the book gets out on him, I think people will know what to sit on and have some fun with him. Uh, last pitcher we'll talk about is the San Francisco Giants right-hander, 26 years old, former first-round pick, finally getting some – regular roll out here and his last four starts have been outstanding and one thing to go with those four starts is someone learned how to throw a slider it's been very very impressive and he's been getting it done of late um striking guys out uh looking really really good what do you have on tyler Beattie?
0: all right well i don't want to be too disappointing uh i know big giants fan but uh over since july 1st 210 woba but a 310 expected woba uh his skills have been decent overall this season but when you dive into them uh over his last five games he has a 10.4 percent swinging strike rate right around league average gives up a ton of contact when he throws the ball in the zone 90.1 in zone contact and then his csw is below league average at 27.6 percent so Combining all of that, I would expect him to have a low K percentage. Not surprisingly, he's got a 17.7% K rate over the last five games, which is pretty bad. Um, 23% is about league average, so he's well, well below that. Um, The the thing that's helped him out recently is that his control metrics have been a lot better. 66% first pitch strike rate. Uh, 33.5% O-swing, 44% in the zone. So that's all better than league average. It results in a 5.7% walk percentage. So the K-minus walk rate isn't terrible, but it's slightly worse than league average. But what's really been sustaining him over this period of time is a 233 Babbitt over those five games and an 8.6% home run per fly ball rate. Uh, the challenge with BD is that all of the stuff that gets folks to chase... Um, he can't throw in the zone. Um, all of those pitches have a zone percentage right around 33%, which is way below what where you need it to be for it to be a successful pitch, generally speaking, unless it's a dominant pitch and none of his are. Uh, the slider, I think it was Jeff Zimmerman that pointed this out. The slider actually has the lowest swinging strike rate of his off-speed pitches. I think it's like 13%, which is certainly not anything to kind of sniff at, but league average on sliders is about 17 percent. if you look at an article from alex chamberlain from earlier this year and so and he's only thrown 23 sliders if you're at least if you believe he's also got a cutter in there so it depends on uh the pitch classification but i don't think it's going to be enough um, for him the slider he can throw it in the zone uh, but i don't think it's necessarily a good enough pitch um to be uh to make him you know, viable in, in, in fantasy leagues, maybe 15 teamers, uh, but he's got the Cubs this week um, and Philly at Philly next week. Um, and so I don't think I'd be comfortable starting him this week or next week. And so with that being said, like he's just not somebody that I'm targeting and I apologize for um, making you sad about Tyler.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a rough one. because I'm a big fan of what he's doing, but uh, I didn't look that deep at him. Side note the Giants just scored three runs off Strope in the eighth. They're up five to four now. But oh, did they? Shorted. Oh, man. But, I saw that. Yeah. Who hit back the to back, run? back to back two out doubles. No, two oh, back to back man. two out doubles. We don't right. hit home runs in San
0: Francisco. Strope is on my crap list because of uh, him calling uh, Yasiel Puig stupid. Once he did that, he totally oh. lost me. I can never roster him again.
1: I got a Pui question in a second, but first back to the BD part that you asked me about. Yes, that's disappointing. The the Philadelphia starts terrifies me because if he's off, that ball's going to fly out of Simpson Bank Park. Um, So that's scary. There's going to be a lot of people that were raving about their fab bids on him yesterday that are not going to look forward to hearing that part of the show. But, hey, stats are stats. You got to go with what you got. The Pui thing, how much do you like or dislike? Maybe you dislike him. I absolutely love them. When Puig goes sleeveless on his Sundays,
0: oh man, it's wonderful. Give me yes. a break. If
1: anybody has like, been to do it, it's Biasio Puig.
0: My favorite is like uh, uh, Nick Senzel and Joey Votto have like the biggest farmer tank <laughs> on the face of the earth. Yep. And when they're wearing that, they're like, "Yo, you should have told me before the season started that we were doing this because I am pasty under here." I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. That's pretty yeah. funny stuff. But uh yeah, that's a heck
1: of a look the Reds got going there. It just reminding me of kind of how big of a Puig fan you are. So, I want to get yeah. your two cents on that because I think if anybody was made to wear those shirts, it's the off seal Puig. He should be wearing them seven days a week. like that's just Puig.
0: Oh, for uh, sure. Right. That that should just be smart. the only thing that he's allowed to wear, right?
1: Yep, that sleeveless jersey. Yeah, that'd be outstanding. All right, let's talk about some fab guys. Uh, Smotta updated the. Uh, TGFBI Fab pickups for the week. We'll talk about a couple of oh, them. We've already talked about a few, but we can just kind of go through them real quick. We don't want to go super deep unless you got something. But one of the popular ads we already mentioned him, Alex Young. He went for one to eleven dollars in about seven or eight leagues, but he went for sixty bucks to uh, Michael Petropoulos in League Seventeen. Very interesting ad there. Um, Andres Andres Munoz went from anywhere from one to thirty-five bucks. He's the hard-throwing bullpen piece that people think is going to replace Kirby Yates. If he gets traded, he averages like a hundred and something miles an hour. Um, He's still available in my league. I put in small bids for him, but my other bids got picked up. So he's still sitting out there. What do you you have anything on Andres Munoz that has your attention?
0: Yeah, he definitely has my attention. Um, Very small sample size, a little over four innings pitched in the big league so far, but 20% swinging strike rate. Um, He's been dominant so far. Uh, like you mentioned, he's he's hitting triple digits on the regular. He's kind of like a, uh, the newest um, uh, Hicks, Jordan Hicks. Yes, I was like, his first name starts with a J. I've already forgotten. <laughs> uh, poor guy. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and so I think anytime, like if you're speculating on saves, I don't think he's a bad guy to go with. Um, I think they just sent, uh, I can never say his name, but like Wingenter down to the Miners, who was the setup man previously, and so that might open up a little bit of a uh, of a spot. Um, or It's not Wing Genter, right? Who's the guy on on the Padres? I always mix up the guy on the Indians and the guy on the Padres. It's like Wag or uh, something or other. Let me find um, out
1: right now. It's not uh, ringing a bell with me either, but uh, I'll pull up it, roster resource.
0: It, it's all right. Um, so Munoz uh, is a guy that I like if you're speculating for saves. If you're in a Keeper Dynasty League, obviously, financial incentives push people away um, from using their younger guys with little major league experience as the guy who gets saves. But the Padres have kind of bucked conventional wisdom when it comes to following the business of baseball. So I think Munoz is really interesting so far. And if you need saves um, and you need to speculate, he's not a bad guy to look at.
1: Yeah, he should not be available after this next week. It really should not be uh tray wing wing enter wing well, literally two words it's one word
0: um, yeah that's an interesting one poor kid I I did have it right the first time all right yeah you it. did
1: you're you're dead on there uh, we talked about Brandon Workman this is why I love doing this little exercise Toby is you get to see how different it is between leagues because like you'll you've probably heard people say and I know I have like how much do I bid on a guy and it's hard to tell anybody because it varies Workman went for six dollars in my league to Kenneth Lee. To as high as ninety-four dollars in your league to Eddie Almaguer, like it—he went all over the board, and it just varies from league to league. We talked about Workman, Kalquan Trilling for two to a hundred bucks, different places there. Um, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon went to three teams. He got beat up today. Did you have any thoughts on Ponce de Leon?
0: Uh yeah. You know, uh, Ponce de Leon is super interesting. Fastball generates a ton of swinging strikes. He doesn't have many secondary pitches, and I think we saw today the control. Is a, is a challenge I covered him on my second half pitchers. I like I kind of even before he had a good first start but even before that I was like kind of like ah should I really have focused on him um, just because the control metrics are a little scary uh, really low first pitch strike rate pretty low zone percentage and not a high chase rate and so um, I think in you know in 15 team leagues he definitely needs to be owned I think in 12 team leagues I'm not sure he's got what it takes to be successful, um, but that fastball is certainly a, a, a nice place to start.
1: For sure, uh, Danny Salazar supposed to be coming back here pretty soon. He speculative bids from one to eleven dollars. I just can't buy into that again. We'll s- wait and see there. Jacob Junis was a popular ad, which kind of surprised me. Heimer Candelario went from five to fourteen dollars. He's been he's been doing okay. Um, he's a tricky guy. Yeah, I picked him up in barf. Well, Long story there. I'm an idiot. Um, I thought the fab period ended the same time as NFPCs, but no, ours locks at five PM, not seven PM. Uh, so I put most of my bids in at five thirty, uh, and I totally screwed that one up. Like I have like eleven bids sitting there right now for next week already. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I was terrible. pretty.
1: Yeah, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But uh, yeah, Heimer Candelario. Apparently, I put in last week, and I got him this week. So
0: there, there you go. You, know. you nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple guys there. Jacob Junis, I got a couple questions on Twitter because uh, he's been pitching really well. Uh, mostly Babbitt-driven, no changes in velocity, no changes in pitch mix or uh, the swinging strike rate. Like It's just a matter of him getting luckier on contact for a period of time, so I'm not buying into what he is doing. One guy mm-hmm. you jumped over there, Jacoby Jones. He's coming back from injury. I really like Jacoby Jones a lot. Um, towards the middle of this year. He's always been a guy that I kept an eye on because of the power-speed combo. He's among the league leaders in barrels uh, per plate appearance over, like, since probably the, the beginning of June. Um, and then he also steals some bases. He has six stolen bases, I think, 10 home runs. Um, and he's showing a much better eye at the plate. Um, so he's one of these guys who, um, uh, you know, the contact is up and down, but he's he's been pretty consistently better in terms of plate discipline. He's hitting the ball hard. He can hit it with authority, and he steals some bags. So in deeper leagues, I think he's going to be a valuable asset, especially when you look at the Tigers lineup or the Tigers uh, series that they're they're um, going forward. And then I love Heimer Candelario. He's been really good since coming back on pretty much every front um, since coming back from the minors. So I think you, you made a really good bid there. I had him as a conditional bid um, in the yeah. arc and in a couple other places as well. Um, so really, really like him there. Yeah, I had him in. I
1: have him in Barf and TGFBI now. Um, Jacoby Jones, yeah, that's a good call there because I had him before he got hurt in TGFBI. I had to drop him to flip. You know how it takes the back end of your roster; you got to be flipping all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I got him back, so that sucks. But yeah, everything you said is the reason why I owned him the first time. He hits the, the ball ridiculously hard. When he steals bags, he does a little bit of everything. So good call there. Um, Joe Jimenez, speculative you, know, closer bids in Detroit, assuming uh, Green gets traded. Jose He's LeClerc, <laughs> yeah, he is very bad. Jose LeClerc went for 3 to $10 because Sean Green going to the IL. Do you believe it's LeClerc's job?
0: Uh, you know, I, I picked up LeClerc and Chris Martin where they were available. Uh, I'm not sure who's it going to be. I actually, like, put out just a random tweet being like, hey, anybody got inside information, not inside information, like, Somebody from inside the team is going to give me intel. But like anybody who follows the team super closely, I really like LeClerc after the bad start. I think he's been pretty good consistently. I took a look at the skills. Chris Martin also has solid skills. So I think either one, if they get the job, I feel pretty good about them. Um, LeClerc's skills are slightly better. um, And I think we saw how dominant he can be towards the end of last year. So he's the guy that I would prefer to have. But uh, so if it was LeClerc or Martin, I'd go LeClerc. But if, if Leclerc was taken, then I went Martin. And so we'll see. I'll end up with the Texas closer, I think, in some form or fashion, unless they go to a committee that makes them like entirely unusable. No doubt
1: about it. Um, I, I like Leclerc as the guy to get it, but we'll see how that goes. Or Kitty, who we talked about, maybe from $1 to $23. I think all those prices are outstanding. Yeah, that's
0: outstanding. Um, yeah.
1: Nick Pauly got him for 23 and then a couple of guys got him for a buck. I think that's that's a steal some pro far streaking he went from one to five yeah i'm not I'm not buying it are you buying what Profar's doing right now uh
0: no, I haven't taken a, a deep look, but I think he's kind of a flawed a flawed player um wasn't into him heading into this year and haven't really been uh into him at all
1: yeah no doubt about it um Kevin Gossman looked outstanding on Sunday and he's back from the i l and he developed a new pitcher two that's what everyone's saying. He went for as low as $3 in League 17 to Alpha, As high as $99 in League 14 to Shelly. I, I always say I'm not going to pronounce your name because I do not want to butcher it. I apologize. But Shelly V from uh, Van VanGrafts and uh, all those other great sites she does. So all over the spectrum for Kevin Gossman, you saw the rave on Twitter last night. I don't know if you had time to I dig like into that. it. This could, be some, this could be something we talk about next week or whatever. Um, are you buying into what you saw? Because I told everybody it's still Kevin Gossman, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the key is looking. Is there something different, right? That he's yep. um, that he's doing, and I I didn't see anything. I mean, I think I looked at the game feed, and I think he only threw two different types of pitches. I had heard that he was working um, on a, a different uh, on another pitch, um, but I think he only threw four seam fastballs and splitters, um, if I remember correctly. I'm trying. So to that's that's no
1: new pitches then. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's no new pitches. And to be honest with you, you're not going to be. There's very few pitchers that can be successful consistently. With two yeah, I mean, I don't know if there are any outside of Rich Hill, but even Rich Hill, he's super creative. He changes arm slots, and he's Rich Hill, so he's just a a badass mofo. Um, but let's see, Gaussman. Yeah, he threw one slider according to Statcast. 60 forcing fastballs and 22 uh splitters um a good swinging strike rate a really good csw again small sample one start and there's nothing different that i see there um and so for that reason i think i would pass on gaussman i mean in deeper leagues i think you go with him but you know until you see something different like it's hard to really you got to see something different and yeah. And I don't see anything different outside of one really quality start. And we know that he, um, you know, that he is capable of that. Um, yeah. So, and he averaged the same on his fastball yesterday as he has this year, 93-9. So I don't see anything different for Gausman. I'm not really interested. Uh,
1: Mark Connor, he went to uh, six, seven teams. He's been on a heck of a hot streak hit in the middle of that A's lineup, I can see some appeal at times, depending on the weekly schedule. Uh, Mike Brosug, or Brosau, was added in three leagues. He's getting a lot of playing time. Mike Leek coming off a of near perfecto. I'm not buying into Mike Leek, everybody. <laughs> and then Mike Kastrzemski got added from one to $10. He had a big week in Coors. Get to go back to Coors in a couple weeks. Any of those names strike your fancy?
0: Uh, Kanye's interesting. Um, uh he, uh, he's he been hitting really well, 454 Woba, 377 expected Woba over the last um, couple weeks. The skills have not been as good of late, um, but you know he's above league average in contact, better than league average uh, plate discipline. The hard hit rate is down. Um, the ground ball rate is up a little bit. But as long as he's playing every day, I think he's a very viable piece. He was really good last year. Um, going up against lefties, good earlier this year, going up against lefties, and now he's getting a shot. So uh, I don't mind Kana. I've got him going in a couple places in deeper leagues, like 15-team leagues here. Um, Yastrzemski, the one thing I'd say about him is the Giants go back to cores next week. So if you want to be uh, proactive, you could pick him up um, now and uh, hold on to him until that happens. Um, But otherwise, I think you're looking at Fab for this upcoming week and seeing if you can add him and just start him for those three games uh, in cores. Um, you know, uh, other than that, like uh, Nick Ahmed is really interesting to me. Oh, uh, Brisseau or however you say it. Um, yeah. He's one of the guys who's been way overperforming his expected metrics. Like he does not, he has not been hitting the ball at all. I think he actually had the biggest gap between um, expected Woba and Woba over since July 1st. So he's not a guy I'm interested in. I actually dropped him. I'm sure he'll go on a heater this week uh, with all the lefties he's going up against the Red Sox were on. And then Nick Ahmed is a guy I like a lot. The skills have been getting better and better and better. We haven't necessarily seen that turn into production as much, but he's one of those guys where like you just track them and track them and track them and see if they can really improve the quality of contact that they're making because they've got every other piece that they need um, to be a successful guy. And so he's the guy that I'd have my eye on in 15-team leagues. I'd be adding him. Um, but cool. in lower le- lower leagues, just kind of keep an eye.
1: Okay. Uh, we talked to the Lopez already. He p- picked up in four leagues. I guess some people are buying into it. Um, Rogelio Armenteros was the guy that threw after Urkitty on Saturday or Sunday for the Astros. He went from a dollar to $28. I think it's going to be one of those two, Armenteros or Urkitty that gets one of the the, the constant starts. There. I think our kitty's the favorite, but those two guys are there. Armenteros looked pretty good. Again, I like Kitty. Um, Tommy Edmonds has been hit towards the top of that Cardinals lineup uh, with Carpenter and company out. He went from anywhere from a dollar to uh, to Brian Ambos all the way to seventeen dollars for Steve Wehmer. Uh And Edmonds been pretty good batting average wise. Not doing a ton else, but productive in that sense. Uh, we mentioned Tyler Beatty already. Tyler Naquin. Uh he went from here from a dollar to twenty-one. I got him for three bucks. I love what he's been doing. And then Tyler O'Neill, wherever he was available, he got picked up from five to forty-one. I I was shocked he was actually available. But uh, yeah. there's a couple other names there. Any of those guys ring a bell for you?
0: Um, not really. I mean, Edmund, uh like you mentioned, uh, batting atop the lineup. He's one of the faster guys in baseball. So stolen if you're looking for stolen bases, he might be a nice little um add here although i don't think he's really that good um from what i see in the skills uh naquin is destroying righties um he destroys righties he's been hitting well against lefties but i think his his career track record tells us that he's not very good there the only challenge with naquin is he is batting ninth so not getting a ton of plate appearances and when he does slow down a little bit uh, when regression inevitably comes it could be painful without the plate appearances Tyler O'Neill, obviously a, a really interesting guy, um, tons of power. Uh, he's getting everyday looks. The strikeout rate um, is down, but it's still, uh, it's still bad. The good news is, is that the contact rate is also um, improved. So last year in 142 plate appearances, his in-zone contact was at 66%. It's now at 74%. Now that's still 11% below league average. So it's terrible. And that strikeout rate is gonna be super high. It's 38.3% right now. Um, But overall contact up 4% from last year, still terrible at 60%. Chasing more pitches outside the zone. So he's a feast or famine guy. I've heard the Austin Riley comps. I think he's got even worse plate discipline than Austin Riley does. He's got a 301 batting average. Just put this in perspective. 301 batting average with a 456 Babbitt. So once that Babbitt comes down to like 3 350, because he's going to have a high Babbitt, he hits the ball really, really hard. You know, you're going to be looking at a very low 200 batting average, I think. Um, so I think there's danger there, but you hop on these guys and ride them. And then when they start to go south, uh, you kind of hop, um, hop off. And then the last guy that I have interest in on this list, I've talked about him a little bit is vince velasquez. Vinny v. Uh, vince velasquez yeah vinny v we talked about him last week i got to talk yep. about him again he is um he's just showing velasquez. some nice skills i'm interested to see how he does against uh the tigers on wednesday i believe uh there, i don't think you could have a more ideal matchup for him than the tigers unless it was in an nl park but uh you know a righty heavy lineup um guys that strike out a lot and so um, I think that'll be really interesting, and then he's got a new, a nice two-step the following week. I think it's like Pittsburgh and uh, somebody else who's who's uh, who's not very good. Let's see. It's uh, oh no, it's San Francisco and the White Sox uh, yes. next week. So if he does pitch well on Wednesday and he gets the two-step next week, I think he could be very valuable. I also want to mention Tommy Malone
1: um, good, of good the tools. Mariners.
0: He has a two-step this week. He got rocked last week. But um, the strikeout skills still look really, really good. He's got a nice CSW over the last little bit, over 32%. So very, very strong there. Always a danger he's going to get rocked, give up a ton of home runs. That just happens now with any type of mediocre guy. But he at least has those strikeout skills if you're looking for strikeouts and wins and looking for more of a volume play this week. though, so it's probably too late to pick him up.
1: Yeah, Malone was one of my kind of long, longer shot dollar bids I put out there. Didn't end up getting them, but uh, yeah, I don't hate that. I and mean, a two step DVR picked up Benny V for a buck. And then, um, Sammy Reed, if you listen to this, can you reach out to one of us or both of us and let us know what you see in UC Kikuchi to pay a dollar for him? Just curious because I um, haven't seen anything, but well, maybe there's something there.
0: Uh, he, there is something. There's something his, his swinging strike rate is better, his CSW is also better recently. Um, let me see if I have it up here. Um, I don't have it here. I believe he actually has a CSW above 30% since July 1st. That's a big improvement. Yeah. so <laughs> that's, and that's a big improvement. I was super off of him earlier this year because the skills were terrible. But um, uh, I want to say it's a change-up. It was uh, at Fantasy Gospel. Or if you just search for Fantasy mm-hmm. Gospel, he had a tweet highlighting that. So since July 1st, he's at 28.5. So right around the average, that's much better than where he used to be um since the all-star break which i think is two starts for him he is at uh well 24.8 now so maybe maybe it's not great i don't know but there is a little bit of improvement with kikuchi maybe it's the swinging strike rate that i'm thinking about whatever it is he has been a better pitcher uh recently
1: yeah i was just curious i know Sammy's a smart dude so i was curious of what he's seeing because i guess that early early start just scared me away from kikuchi just it was it was bad way bad but um, hey, everyone can change it around. Look at Ronaldo Lopez. We talked about him earlier. Yeah. So um,
0: I, I think he's going out for the start against Detroit. That's what Sammy. Well, that's to always him. a good. That's a good. That's yeah. a good
1: move there for a dollar. Cool. Yeah. Might as well give it a shot. Well, Toby, that'll wrap up episode one, edition one, whatever you want to call it, of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Any closing thoughts on what we discussed tonight, or anything going forward?
0: no uh, just really looking forward to uh to the partnership bubba really respect you as an analyst and just as a a, a great guy in the fantasy baseball industry you're always looking to give um, folks an opportunity through your podcast and through other platforms so just really excited to uh to start this partnership hope that it is a long one and yeah i hope hope folks enjoyed it feel free to reach out on twitter uh, at BatfootCrazy to me um, or to Bubba and just let us know what you thought about the show. If you like it, um, guys, you want us to take a look at next week. Uh, we'll be doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty much the same format that I've been doing with Bench with Bubba. We just kind of incorporate the extra awesome analysis uh, from Toby. Just kind of keep you guys posted on what goes on on a, on a Monday, keep you going with fantasy baseball, because the one good thing about what we like to do and besides just chat together, because we can pretty much do it without a microphone if we didn't need to. But um is we, we can talk baseball year-round, so that's one of the good things. Uh, during the slow part of the winter, it's tough to podcast a lot. I think having us doing it together will kind of help keep each other going, so we'll keep you guys with some good news um, throughout the rest of the year and into the offseason and much, much more. Like you said, I'm looking forward to doing this for a long, long time. Um, it's going to be a blast. So I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. If you got anything, questions, comments, concerns, whatever, let us know as we're going to continue to, to get better, better at it. And uh, get you guys what you need out here. But again, check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy and go check out his podcast, Batflip Crazy, and all the great stuff he has going on over there at batflipcrazy.com. And I'm on Twitter at BDN trick. So check it all out. And we'll catch you guys next time as this was Bubba and the Batflip, episode one.
0: See you later. That is going to wrap us up for episode 84 of the Batflip Crazy podcast and episode. One of Bubba and the Batflip. I really do hope you enjoyed that and, uh, and found the podcast useful. Since it is the first podcast, please do reach out uh, to myself at BatflipCrazy or Bubba at BDentrek uh, on Twitter. Let us know what you think. If you have players you'd like us to cover in the next podcast uh, next Monday, uh, just shoot us a, a DM or uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We're happy to take Um, questions and or suggestions um, from folks. I think that's really, really important to me and I I, I think for Bubba as well uh, to make sure that we are uh, kind of uh, providing information that's useful to you in your league. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.